As I begin the message this morning, I would like to show some words on the screen that I would like the children to help me with. Uh, They are words that you're going to hear during the sermon this morning because I'm preaching on the subject of grief or sadness or the death of love, uh, dealing with the death of loved ones. And and boys and girls, uh, I'd like for you to help me by silently counting all the times you hear the word sad or sadness or cry or crying or tears. Don't hold up your hand, please. And don't say anything out loud, but just help, help keep track and keep count of how many times you hear those words as we think together about that this morning. I want to share with you a story, uh, something that happened to me just a few weeks ago. Every month, some pastor friends and I get together. Uh, it's Cole County uh, Christian Ministers Fellowship, and we just share together. And sometimes we have a program, but this particular uh, month, we just got together and decided we would share. And strangely enough... The very first person who shared told about a pet dog, a dog she'd had for years and years, had recently died. And she talked about what sadness that brought to her life. And then another person started sharing about a dog that he had lost. And then another person started talking about another pet. And I want to ask you, uh, have you ever lost a dog or a cat to death or a, a, a parakeet or a pet hamster and had a death Uh, that made you really, really sad. I think we've all had that experience, and even as I talk about it, uh, our minds go back to losing a pet to death. And it reminds me that, according to what the Bible scripture said this morning, uh, from Revelation as the children read it, that all tears are important to God. I think that's the place we begin uh, this morning. All tears are important to God. God cares about all kinds of loss. Gail Sheehy is a a writer who became famous many years ago uh, developing what she called the stages of grief. And even people who haven't read her book talk about the stages of grief and sadness uh, when there's a loss. She talked about denial and she talked about depression and she talked about acceptance and all those various stages. But you know, at this stage in her life, Gail Sheehy says she's revising her thoughts about the stages of grief and sadness. Uh, she spent two years with a New Jersey community shortly after the 9-11 attacks on the Twin Towers. She just sort of camped there for two years because that New Jersey community had lost 50 people to death on the 9-11 attacks on the towers. And she just lived with them And she said, I've come to understand that grief is not so much stages in a linear way, but stages in a spiral sort of way. That is to say that you might come back to one stage, but you're a little farther along the way and you've had different life experience and you may circle back to that stage again later in a way that surprises you, but you're still a different person as you spiral and move on through those stages. And she helps us a lot with this whole business of crying and sadness and, and uh, helping us understand that those things are very, very real and very, very human. And so this morning, we think as the lectionary has, has loaned us and suggested this text, in this season of Eastertide, when we're still celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, what is God saying? What does God offer us as a resounding shout of help in our time of grief and our time of sadness? And we're going to look and think together about that. Now, the book of Revelation is very interesting. You already know that. If you've hung around church at all, you know that the book of Revelation is about the awesomeness of God. God is awesome. 
We know that. And the book of Revelation makes that very clear. But what I love about the scripture that was read earlier from Revelation 21 is that God is not only awesome, but God is tender. And the awesomeness of God in Revelation 21 turns to tenderness. And if you'll, if you'll listen very carefully in that verse 3, uh, John says he will dwell with them and be their God. God himself will be among them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. See, there's a difference between those two New Testament words. Uh, the first is mourning and the second is crying. And mourning is that, that word for grief or sadness that we know about that's just sort of a really, really numb feeling inside. But the word crying was a word that was used for a loud lament or wailing or shrieking or almost an animal sort of sound that we can't help. It's involuntary that it just wells up from within us. All of that, mourning, crying, pain, death, all of that is wiped away. You know, scientists study everything, and they, they've studied the, the chemistry, the chemical makeup of our tears. And did you know that the chemical makeup of tears from chopping onions is different than the chemical makeup of tears of sadness? There's actually a, a chemical difference. And of, and of all the things that are alike about tears of those two kinds of experiences, the scientists tell us that the tears of sadness, the tears of emotions, have more protein in them. And that protein creates a viscosity. The tears are more viscous, meaning that, that they're thicker and they stick to our cheeks a little longer and they, they run a little slower than tears of onions. And that's the science of it. Now the pastor in me has this theory, that maybe God made it so that tears of sadness run slower down our cheeks so that we have time to admit our pain and our sadness and our grief. Maybe the, sad, the tears that run in times of sorrow stay on our faces longer so people can see them and know that we are real and that we're hurting and so that we can admit to ourselves the vulnerability and the hurt of it all. I love this picture of God personally wiping tears from our eyes. A couple of weeks ago, we were watching our one-year-old grandson, Sebastian, and uh, he was sitting on a, a, a footstool and uh, he just rolled off fell on his head. Uh, I think it startled him more than hurt him because he landed on carpet. But uh, he started crying and great big tears came down his eyes. And his grandma Janet swooped him up and she started patting him. And then the, the, the crying changed to sniffles. You know, those one-year-old sniffles like that. And then he just laid his little head down on her shoulder. And I love that picture of God who wipes away our tears in the midst of our pain. About a year ago, uh, a film came out, I think one of the best animated movies to come out uh, probably in a long, long time, uh, Inside Out. And I bet a lot of the children and a lot, a lot of the grown-up children here this morning saw that movie. It's a movie about a little girl named Riley who lived in the Midwest, and she was so happy, and she always balanced out her 
her, her emotions. Uh, the story was about all those emotions bouncing around inside of her, fear and disgust and anger and joy and sadness. And then her family uh, moved to the West Coast because that's where her dad's job took them. And she had a new school. She had new friends. She had a new house. Everything was new and scary. And everything got jumbled up inside Riley. And uh, pretty soon she was in danger of those other emotions taking over and joy not being in control and sadness at times almost took over. And that's a, that's a really good reminder that it's important for us to feel sadness. But with God's help, that sadness doesn't have to take over. And we might even stop at this point and ask ourselves, how is it that God helps us with grief? How is it that God really helps us and makes a difference in times of sadness? And of course, the answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to earth, and the scripture says he bore our griefs. He carried our sadness. He took on himself all of our sin, all of our mistakes, and all of our tears. And it's like there was this unfair trade where he took on all of our junk and stuff, And he gave us his joy and his forgiveness and his new life and his everlasting life and his hope and his happiness. And when we trust him and receive him into our lives and begin to follow him, that's the kind of exchange where we get all of that that help from Jesus as he takes on all of our sadness. And if you want to think about the difference that Jesus makes how the resurrection of Jesus Christ has changed everything. I want to show you some of the things that our scripture has pointed out uh, in just six brief verses from Revelation. Separation becomes God among us. We're no longer separated from God. He's among us through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, sadness becomes joy. Through Jesus, sadness becomes endless, or death becomes endless life. Pain becomes total healing, and misguided desires become fulfillment and satisfaction. We may drink from the river of the water of life. Jesus does all that. And there's an interesting phrase in that that passage of Scripture where it describes Jesus as the Alpha and Omega. You know what that means? Those are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. It's like saying Jesus is the A and the Z. The old rabbis, the Jewish rabbis used to say that Adam and Eve broke the law, Alpha to Omega. But Abraham kept the law, Alpha to Omega. And then John comes along under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he's writing Revelation and say, Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega the first and the last, the one who conquers. A few weeks ago, some friends and I had the opportunity to go visit the Capitol uh, just a few blocks from here, and uh, we didn't just get the, the regular tour. We got the special private trip all the way to the top of the dome. It was awesome. It was scary. It was really windy up there, and we got to walk out on that, that little balcony area way up by, the, by the, the, the very top there and look out over the city. It was amazing 
what you could see. Some of you need to mow your grass. I noticed that from, from where, I was, uh, where I was. I don't mean to criticize, but, you know, you got some dandelions you need to take care of. But it was amazing is that everything looks so small and insignificant when you get up that high. And you can see so many things in perspective. And, you know, I think that's why God gave us the book of Revelation, so we could climb up really high and see that Jesus is going to, to make everything okay, that God's going to fix everything. We can see a long way and see lots of things. You know, the book of Revelation was written partly because the Christians were dealing with playground bullies. Have any of your children ever had a playground bully? Well, they had them in, in, in John's day when Revelation was written because the Roman Empire was the playground bully. They were hurting people. They were killing people. They were mistreating people. You know, there are two dangers when you experience a playground bully. One is that you'll be hurt. But you know the other danger that may be even worse? The danger that you'll become a bully too. And the book of Revelation was written to say, get up high and see that everything's going to be okay, that you don't have to be mean back, that you don't, have to, you don't have to retaliate and be unkind, that God's going to fix everything, God's going to take care of everything. And you know, when a pet dies, or when a family member dies, when we experience a health crisis... Something good can come from that because it can remind us that there are a few things in life that matter. They are, there are a few things in life that last. And we need to give ourselves to the things in life that matter, to the things that are forever, to the things that really last. And to know that God loves us with such a perfect love that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes.